Let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to sit down together as a family and worship and study this morning. Father, as we study this morning, we study from the, from the Gospel of John, uh, we ask that you touch our hearts and touch our minds, that you help us, Father, to develop a sense of love for the truth, uh, that you will help us, Father, to listen intently and, and make application of what we hear. We understand, Father, and we know from what you've told us that our faith comes through hearing and through hearing through your word. And we're, we have every confidence, Father, that this is your word, that it's, that it's living and alive, it's inspired, that you breathe it into men to write it down, and we thank you for it, Father. Bless us as we study it this morning. Give us a hunger and a passion for it uh, that we may not have had before. Bless us, Father, and bless our families here. Bless all of those that are here, those that have not been able to come, uh, those that have not come and, uh, and have just gotten comfortable. Help them, Father, to, to make that decision to come back and join us. We, we want them here. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities that we have here that are going on here, and we just pray your blessings upon this church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in chapter 14. We've been there for a bit, and I just want to review it. We're going to try to finish it today and get into chapter 15. Remember, I told you this is a dialogue that Jesus has started that he's going to, it's really 15, 16, and 17, all right? And, uh, and, and what's important to us, you can say, well, he's just talking to his disciples. But what's important is if you go to chapter 17, and we're not going to go there yet, but you go there and you say, he said, my prayer is not for you guys only. My prayer is not for that you be unified, but my prayer is for all those who will believe on me through your message. So that, that boils it down to us. He's praying for us as well. So all the things that you're seeing here, we can look at and say, he's talking to us. What do I need to learn from this that he, that he taught? He talked to his guys, his 12 guys, 11 now. He talked to them, and they brought it out into the world and shared, shared this message with the world. And now here we are. Believers, confident, followers, cross-carriers, self-deniers. And we have decided that this is what we're going to do. And we're going to live our lives in accordance with Him. We're not going to worry about what's going on in the world. We're not going to worry about things we cannot control, things we can't do anything about. We're going to only care about and worry about what does God say and do I trust Him enough to, to do what He tells me to do. Okay? He has told them in chapter 14 that He's going to go away. He, but he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I would have told you if I wasn't. I'd have told you this. You know, you're my friends. You're, my, you're close to me. And he said, he said but I'm, going to, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you for but I'm going to give you an advocate, a comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and not just now be with you. And now he's going to be in you. And we talked about that. We talked about what it meant uh, for the Holy Spirit to be in us, not just with us. And, uh, and then he said, and, and he said, and that also I'm going to tell you something else. He said, I'm going to live with you as well. What they don't, didn't understand and what I think people don't understand today is when the Holy Spirit lives in you, Jesus and the Father are living with you too. Because they're all one. They're a combined unit. So as He lives, so do they. So when He, when he said, I'm going to move in with you too, and so is the Father, that's what He tells them. You know, I don't know how much comfort He gave them right then. It's not going to give them a lot of comfort in the coming hours that they're going to have to experience what they're going to experience. But they're going to remember because it says the Holy Spirit's going to remind you. He's going to remind you of the things that I've taught you, the things that I've told you. And he said, and but then he, then he qualifies it. What we talked about some last week was only those who love me will be my will be my with Jesus. Only those folks, and those are the folks that are willing to be obedient. So if you're trying to make that decision, what do I want to do about following Christ? If you're not willing to be obedient, he said, you are not having any part of me. 
You know, you are you. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Is what he says. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two. Uh, there's some more things that are going to happen here that we I want to talk about. And uh, and look at what what happens. It says in verse twenty. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Remember, this is the guy named Thaddeus. His name was also Judas. Calls him Judas here, but that if you want to connect it to it, it was Thaddeus is who he, who he's talking about. He said, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. If you remember back to chapter 12, remember chapter 12, what he said at the end of the chapter? He said, the words I spoke will judge you at the last day. Remember he said that? He said, they're not my words. The Father told me what to say, and I said them. He said, they're not my words. They're the words of the Father. Here he said, he said here what he said tells, tells the group. He said, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. What did he tell them? He said, my, anyone who does not love me will not, will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father. And I, I, a question that came to me is, why do people today not recognize Jesus? Why do they not recognize him today? So many people out there, they claim to have Jesus, but you don't see anything from them. You know, there's a lot of people in the world, there's a lot of, somebody asked me the other day, why is there so much bad going? I said, because there's evil people doing evil stuff. It's always been that way, it always will be that way. It was in his time, it's in our time. There are evil people doing evil stuff. Why is it so much of that? Why is there so, why was it so much then? Why is it so much now? Why don't they recognize him? They don't want to do what he tells them to do. They don't want to do. They don't want to do the right thing. They don't want to be obedient to him. It's easier to do to just live your life, isn't it? it? This is this is not this is not a cakewalk, guys. Following him, denying yourself, and picking up your cross. And and we talked about this some Friday night. I asked him, what does it mean to carry your cross? It's making a commitment that you're willing to die for. You're willing to die for the commitment you made. He said, if you've taken up your cross then that means you're going in the direction he... Where was he going with that cross? Where was he going? He was going to Calvary, right? What was at the end of that trip? Death. What's at the end of your trip? Death. Better be. If it's not, then you have no part of him. He said, because if you're not willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you can have no part of me. None. So we have to be willing to do that. And he said, he, and the, I looked at it and I said, because people are not willing to do that, so they don't recognize him. Did they recognize him in that day? No. Why not? He, Judah says, he said, why are you going to show yourself to us and not to them? He showed himself to them, didn't he? Look at all the miracles he did, all the things he did. You know, they, they are going to go out into the world and preach this gospel right after this. And, and people, people are not going to, if you go and look at what we've been studying in the book of Acts, in, in the, you know, it said when, they, when Paul and Barnabas went on their first journey, you know, they went to Antioch first. That's where they, that's where they came from. They came from Antioch. And, and they, they went to Cyprus, and they went different. And it said that people from Antioch followed them around. Jews followed them around. Tried to stone him at one place, succeeded at another place. They thought he was dead, so they left him. And you know what he does? He gets up, wakes up, and goes back in the city where they came from. That's a commitment, guys. And people don't want to make a commitment like that. They don't want to make a commitment that says, I have to follow him no matter what it costs me. And it may cost me my life. Man, there are people in Ukraine right now, our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine right now, that may be dying for what they believe in. You understand that? 
They may be dying. We know that they that many of them have gone underground. We know that some of them have been shot. You know, what do you do? Learn from them. Learn from the commitment that they're going to make. Because it may it may be that you have to give that same commitment someday. Might. Maybe your children will. And they're, they're going to learn it by what you taught them. You know, last Sunday evening, you know, this whole wall was lined up with little kids. Right? Little kids. We did our small group thing. We're going to do that on fourth Sunday, right after service next this this month. You know, and y'all going to get to see it. You come to the lunch, you're going to get to see it. You know what they did? All these little kids, they must have been 10, 15, I don't know how many there was. A bunch of them. You know what they did? What did they do? They quoted scripture. How many different scriptures did they quote? About 15 verses, 13 verses, something like that. They didn't stop all the way through it. These kids were quoting. I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hand and ask you how many of you could do that. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Jesus went. Jesus went. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, you know, but, you know, that's their parents. And I watched, and I didn't watch it, but somebody else told me they saw, were watching parents, they were watching parents mouth the words. They were mouthing the words with them. So I know that some of the parents have been teaching and, and working with them, and the parents were mouthing the words as well, you know. And I saw one little boy, and I won't say who it was, all right, but there's one little boy hadn't come to any of it, and he came up here, and he stood here, and I saw him mouthing the words too, and he didn't even know the text. He was trying. He wanted to be a part of it. You need to be praying for those families, praying for those children's families, praying for those those people that are coming that have children that haven't gravitated into that whole process yet. They're still trying to unfigure all this out. You know, and, and you know, they recognize they recognize there's something good here. There's something good with these kids, and there's something good going on. And I want to be a part of that. I want Jesus in my life. I've been told that numerous times lately. I want Jesus in my life because I know He's the only one that can fix the problems I got. But it's hard. It's hard. And and He said, and then in verse 25. He said something, he said it again, this here, we're going to look at verse 25, 26, and look at what he said. All this I have spoken while still with you. I've told you all this. You know all this. I've been with you and I've told you, face to face. But the advocate, or comforter, you may have comforter in yours, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's look at the first the first thing he says. He said, I've taught you while I was here. I've been talking to you for three years. You know what I said. But I'm going to send, a, the Father's going to send an advocate. He's going to send a comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. He's already told him that already. And he said he's going to do something here. He's going to teach you and remind you. Do you think the Holy Spirit in our lives today does the same thing? Do you think he's still teaching and reminding us? Do you think he's doing that? If not, then there's some scriptures in the text that probably ought to not be there. Okay? Keep in step with the Spirit. What? what he, he warns us to make sure you keep in step with the Spirit because he's leading you in a certain direction. He's leading you into the, into truth and righteousness. It says that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what it says. And we'll get there. It's going to be in chapter 16. We'll get there before before too long, I hope. If we spend three weeks in every chapter, we won't get there very long, very quickly. But, you know, that's not y'all's fault, I know. I understand that. But uh, but this stuff's important, I think. It's, these these four chapters are really important. 14, 15, 16, 17. That's why we're spending so much time on them, because they're so important for us to learn this stuff. What was Jesus trying to tell them? Getting them ready for what's going to happen in just a few short hours. Do you understand what he's talking to them here? 
is only about four or five hours away from him dying. He's he's fixing to he's gone. He's fixing to be gone, and he knows it. And he, and you'll see that in just a minute. But you know he so and then he says he says in verse twenty eight he says or verse twenty seven peace I leave you my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives gives do not let your hearts be troubled and so do not be afraid he said I don't give you gifts the way the world does how do the world give a gift how do they give a gift how do people in the world give gifts to each other sometimes with obligation I got to want something in return. I've heard people say, "Well, they get they came to my wedding and gave us this this kind of gift." I feel I respond. I need to give them at least that big of a gift, right? That's the way the world gives gifts. How how else? You ever had kids that that wanted something for their birthday or wanted something for Christmas, got mad because they didn't get it? We give gifts sometimes I think to buy. The better people. question is that we ever receive something we not get got what we Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I was one of those kids. I found my BB gun one time. Found it underneath the couch. She thought she was asleep. <laughs> I found it. I knew all the hiding places. I found my BB gun. It's what I wanted. I was. If she'd have found out that I found it, she would have taken it back. <laughs> so I had to be really slick and not talk, not say it. I was probably 10, 11, 12 years. I don't know how old I was. You know, found my. You know, man, I was. I was tickled to death because I wanted that BB gun bad. I had all kinds of birds that me and them had an appointment. You know, hey, that was I was ten or eleven or twelve. Man. Come on, give me a break here. But you know, the, the the point is, is that is that we give gifts for all kinds of reason. We don't necessarily always give them the way God gives them. How does God give a gift? You ever given a gift to someone who really, really, really didn't deserve it? They really were a thorn in your side, and you really, you really thought it'll serve them right and give them nothing. They ain't deserve nothing. You ever, you ever had that happen to you, where you've had? And I don't, you know, don't, I don't want to single anybody out, okay? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. But, but that happens sometimes, right? You get upset with someone. There's a, there's a, an estrangement in the family or something. And you're not going to give them a gift. I'm not giving them a gift. They don't deserve it. Yeah, you know, the way they talked to me last time, or the way, you know, right? Do what? We do anyway. Y'all do anyway. We had this conversation with a member of our family that I felt. And she agreed, but we still had to. We still had to give well, I'm glad that you guys do it anyway. That you give anyway, in spite of that, because it shows that you're godly. Because how does God give us gifts? He gives us gifts that we don't deserve, right? When we don't deserve a gift, He gives it to us anyway. He's made it possible for you to have salvation. Not only a one person in this room going to raise their hand and say, "I deserve salvation." Not one of us, right? Said. I want to save you. I'll save you through my son. I'll save you through the blood of my son. You have to be obedient. You have to do your part. You have to be. You have to come to me. And if you knock, I'll open the door for you. He said, but I'm going to give it to you. But you're never going to be able to knock enough times. You're never going to be able to say, I'm sorry enough times. You're never going to be able to respond the right way enough times for you to earn and deserve that gift. It's free. It's free. Isn't it? Jesus is going to the cross. He knows what he's fixing to provide. He shows that the gift that's fixing to be, be relegated to them is coming through what he's fixing to do. And he said, and he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Tell me what that means. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? You're no longer alone. I'm no longer alone. Okay. You, you, you want it. What does that word mean? I, I looked it up. Okay, I looked up the word, and of course it means absence of warfare. That's, that was the first definition. 
But I look down at about five or six definitions. I look down and it says freedom of the mind, tranquility, serenity. It's a freedom of the mind. So that I can look at my life from a from a place of no warfare in my mind, in my heart. That's what he gives me. I want to take you to two texts. Philippians chapter 4 and Colossians chapter 3. They're right together. You're not going to be problem finding them. Uh, Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, Then the peace of God, which he gave, he promised he's going to give it, right? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That means you and I cannot figure it out. You can't. Why? Because I'm a human being, and my mindset is, uh, my mindset is to do what? My mindset is to be at warfare, to be at constant odds. That's 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 why I'm a made by. It says in Ephesians chapter two that I'm by nature a child of wrath. My nature is to be sinful. My nature is to be a child of wrath. And here he said, he said, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now look at chapter Colossians chapter three. Look at chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And verse 15. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ, which he said the Father was going to give, okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And... Be thankful. What do I have to be thankful for when I have to when I have to turn the other cheek? When I have to be in a in a position where I say I'm going to live in a place of tranquility and serenity in my mind and my heart, and I don't want to. That person doesn't deserve me to do that. That person beat on me. You know that person did things that. He says, "Be thankful." Why? Why can I be thankful? Why can I be thankful? Why am I? Why am I? Huh? Recover what? The peace you can find. The, the peace I can find? Okay. Okay. Let me ask you. How's all this peace thing working for you? On a day-by-day -day basis, how's it working for you? Pretty good some days, not so good another. Right? A little shaky right now. A little shaky right now? Okay. You know, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It'll guard your heart and your mind, Right? And Jesus said, he said, he's going to give it to you. That's what he, what he said. He's going to give it to us. He's going to give us the peace of the peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard us, to be thankful for that. How, how chaotic would you say these 11 guys and the other guys around them are right now? How chaotic do you think it is? Do you think it's starting to sink in that there's something really bad coming in the next few hours? Or there's something coming down the road in a couple of days, maybe, or whatever. They don't really understand all of it. They don't have a clue. All right? Peter said, I'll die with you. No, you won't. No, you won't. All I'm going to run. You think at some point they're going to remember this conversation? Yeah, why? Why? Why are they going to remember it? Because the Holy Spirit's going to remind them of it. The Holy Spirit's going to remind them. Remember, the Holy Spirit's going to be in them, living with them, reminding them, teaching them, giving them, doling out this peace that God gives, and God doesn't give the way you and I do. When it's not working too well, Nancy, you know what God's still doing? Pouring peace into us. 
because that's what he does. He doesn't give you a gift and say, well, let's see what you see what you're gonna do with it. He just keeps he just keeps showering us with the gifts. As long as we stay faithful to him. As long as we stay obedient to him. As long as we're doing what we're supposed to do, staying faithful, right? And he said, he said, I'm gonna remind you, I'm gonna teach you, and he said, I'm gonna give you this gift that you can't even understand. He said that it transcends all understanding. You know, most of you couldn't even describe it to me what it means. What does it mean to have that in your life? In a piece of, because you don't understand what it, what the consequences of it were. You know, Scott sent us a thing the other day, and I, I'm going to tell Cole we need to put that in the bulletin. It was that good, and it was about missing a Sunday and how how the progression of it. You miss, you miss, you miss, and pretty soon, pretty soon you're looking around and and I and I told I was texting back and I said we deal with this every day, every day we deal with this as an eldership. And I said, and then I get a phone call, and someone on the other end of the phone wants to know how their life got in such a mess. How did it get in such a mess? Maybe you can trace it back to that first Sunday you missed. Maybe it was that first time you missed. Don't know. You know, here, you know, they're, they're going to look back and say, wow, can you trace all the good stuff back to the gift of the peace that God gave you, and, you, and, you, and you've grown it from there? Can you? I think, I think yeah, it, one day maybe we'll be able to do that. Now, let's move on. Okay. Well, I've got a question here. I didn't. Even, I had to put it on the page. How is the peace that Jesus left manifest in a person's life today? How does it manifest that? I think we've talked about it some, but, but tell me. I want. I want to hear from you guys. What is? It, how does it manifest itself? Freedom from worry. Freedom from worry. Freedom from worry. Is there a lot to be worried about? Sometimes we think so. How many of y'all live in Victoria, Texas, today, and are going to drive home and drive by a gas station? <laughs> Try living in Goli and then have to drive home. <laughs> I, I, I watched the thing the other day and they said that, that gas could be at $4 a gallon here before the end of the year. Yes. Yep. Yeah. End of the month. I got it. Yeah. You know, that in California, it's already six fifty nine, six seventy nine a gallon. Yeah, but that's another country. You know, I, I'm, I am... I, yeah, but I can't say that. We're all right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the point is, is there's always stuff to take away the peacefulness in our lives and make us worry. All right? You know, whether my kids are going to be safe, whether my job is secure, all those things can't... And we, and we try not to worry. Jesus said, don't worry about this stuff. God's going to take care of it. But we're human beings. What do we do? We worry. First time a crisis comes... What do we start doing? We start fretting and worrying about that stuff. And so it manifests itself. We get angry. We get depressed. We get uh, judgmental. We get, uh, we get combative. We get war warlike. All of those things start to manifest themselves. You know, you ever want to shake your fist at a driver going down the road? Never? I get it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're, because, you're, because you're leading 400 feet of concrete. Yeah, I don't like you either. <laughs> You know, are them guys that are guys that are hauling those wings off those those yeah. wind turbines? You know, yeah. them things must be. I don't know how. You know, and they, it takes fourteen lanes for them to turn a corner, and you're sitting there for four or five chains of the light. Yeah, get frustrated. <laughs> what does God say? Calm down, dude. It's okay. Calm down. I got this. Really, doesn't look like it's moving any faster. <laughs> but he's. Because he's because he's indwelled us with the peace that transcends all that. We need to focus on that sometimes, don't you think? Yeah. Don't you think we need to be focused more on it? Maybe sometimes, maybe. Something I, this week has been. Somebody, huh? This week 
my piece has really been uh, punctured. Really? <laughs> that's a that's harsh. Punctured. punctured. Uh, I live, we live across from the old Mitchell School. Mm -hmm. There is a homeless couple there now between the buildings up over the concrete and under the roof mm -hmm. and a little bitty tent. And I'm in the lap of luxury. You know, I have a four-inch memory foam <laughs> pad over my mattress. And, <laughs> and, you know, I have electric blanket, mini mm -hmm. pad, all this kind of water anytime I want it, bottled water, and food, and plenty. Clothing. I mean, I'm just... You know, mm -hmm. and, and I can't help but see. Anytime I go to the kitchen seat, it's right there. If I go out the front door, it's right there. You know, I see it. And, and those people, you know. One thing, just, one thing, guys, let me, really let me tell you. One thing you cannot do. Let, let's get in the next part, and it's going to help clarify that, okay? Let, let's get in the next part. Let's, let's read the next part of this, all right? In, in starting in verse uh, 28, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. Okay? You know, it took me a long time to be glad some of the people in my life died. It took a long time to understand why Roy had to go. Because I love that man. That man was a good man. And I learned a lot from him. He was my mentor. And then all of a sudden, one day, he's just not here anymore. But I needed I need to remember, hey, he, he got off good. He went to the Father. That's a good thing. And he said, he said, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father commands me. Who do you say is coming? Why, why did, gee, if you go back, and we don't have time for this, but if you go back to Luke chapter 4, after, after Satan tempts him, he says he left to wait for a more opportune time. When's the opportune time coming? In about four or five hours. In about four or five hours. Because what's going to happen to Jesus? He's going to be at his weakest and his lowest. Right? And he's going to be more vulnerable than he's ever been before. Because he's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. And he's going to be, he's going to be beat up. Right? And evil is going to show up. Just like it does in a lot of our lives every day. We see it all the time. You turn on the news, you can't get away from it. Evil is everywhere. It's out there. And you got to make a decision. Who's in charge of that? God allows that to happen. I don't have any answers for you. I don't know. I don't know why some people are homeless, some people aren't. I don't know why that is. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I talk to people all the time. And I see guys all the time that I talk to. You know, I, I don't know who it was that found found the keys in the parking lot, but I think it was a guy on a bicycle riding through, and he found some keys on the parking lot and came and gave them to somebody, and they were Nancy Schmidt's keys for a car. You know? That that showed me, hey, if, if he was really evil, he could have waited and went to all the cars and had to keep up. All he had to do is punch until he found one that opened and drive it off. Could have. Didn't choose to do that. All right? But you get a, you get a sense, you get a mindset that all of it's evil when it's not really. Sometimes it's God's plan. Sometimes God's working in these things and allowing Satan to work, letting him take control. What it seems like control, look at Job. Look at what he does with Job. Turns Satan loose on him twice. Twice, guys. Would, how in the world would you stand up under that? Jesus said, he's coming. 
prince of this world's coming, but he has no hold over me. He's not going to be able to attack me. And he's, what he's going to do, he's going to teach the world that I do exactly what the Father told me. Because how many, how many times are you going to have an opportunity to fall down and say, I give up? How many times in the next couple hours is he going to have an opportunity to say, you know what? Man, this is too tough. And Satan wins. You know, we give we give Satan an opportunity. We get we crack the door. We we put our foot. He puts his foot in the door, and now he's got a way in. And sometimes it's a decision we make that we never even realize we made. Like I said, it could have you could trace it back to that first Sunday you decided, and where Satan got that toehold in your life. He said he's coming. He's coming. Yeah. You never know when one of us brothers that moment. And, and that happens more than you think. You know, it happens happening right now in this place. Right now. You don't need to know about it. People, in, people that need to know, know. And they're, in, they're involved. In it. They're, and they're working on it. They're working in people's lives. You know, there's a lot of times Satan is at work. And you don't even know about it. But that's why he put eldership. That's why he put leadership in place. So they could deal with that kind of stuff. That you don't need to deal with. You need to know that Satan's alive and well, and he wants nothing more than to beat you into the ground. He's going to try to do it to Jesus. Go try. You ever seen the? Oh, hold on, just a minute. You ever seen the movie The Passion? Have y'all ever watched The Passion? You ever watched it? Yeah. Any, any of you? You see that there's a this figure in that movie that 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 comes along every so often. It's portraying Satan, and it and there's laughing and that because Satan thinks he's winning. He's not winning at all. And, and at the, I think close to the end of the movie, you see where it happens. It's not winning at all. I know most many of you haven't watched because it's, it's pretty graphic. It's pretty. It's a pretty gruesome movie. But but you know some of the things you learn there is you know that that picture of that that space of that one that portrays Satan keep popping in, and I see him sneaking around in the bushes like this, and he's sneaking and looking like this to see how it's going because he's tempting people to do things that he wants them to do. That's going on right now. What's going on right now? What's going on in your life? Maybe somebody in your life. Maybe somebody at school. You know that Satan has got got a got their his claws into, and they're doing things. And what does he tell us? Be thankful you have the peace. Don't worry about what you can't change. Don't worry about this stuff. Be faithful to me, and I'll take care of you. Do you really believe that? You really believe he's going to take care of you? You really? Do you think so? I agree with you. And I'm not talking about you, Tim. I'm talking about me. Somebody has to. You know what I mean? He said, he said, but he comes so that the world may learn that I, he's coming so that the world will know. Look at what he said. That I love the Father and do exactly what my Father commands me. What is what's what's the world gonna know? What is the world learning today? That Satan came? He didn't care about you then. He was cared about what Jesus was fixing to do, and could he stop him? And could he tempt him to fall? That's what he was looking for. They knew who he was. They remember anytime he went to the, after the demons, what did they say? Man, we know who you are. And he told, told them, "Be quiet. You need to stop." Right? He told us they knew who he was. The demons knew. He says they believe. They believe it. They know. They just don't believe in him. But they believe him that who he is. And so they wanted to stop him. So what is Satan trying to do? Trying to stop him. 
And if he stops him, then he stops you. And he stops me. If he can stop you, because then I have no hope. I have no place to go. Where am I going to go to get salvation now? From you? You going to give me salvation? No. You're not going to give me salvation. I'm not going to be able to give it to you either. I need, I need the Father, and the Father needs to do it through the blood of His Son. Because that is what's going to fulfill the prophecy of what's been talked about for 4,000 years. Well, that's the piece. They, they have a solution. There's never been a solution up until then. Now I have a solution. Thank you, Scott. That's perfect. I have a solution. There is a solution to the problem. Jesus. And Him crucified. And Jesus knew that. Yes, ma'am. What I was going to say, this past week, watching all the war stuff mm -hmm. see, I've seen example after example of the peace of Christ ruling over yeah. Satan. Yeah. When you see those young Russian soldiers who are hungry and thirsty and you see a Ukrainian giving them Yeah. Yeah. Said, see hungry Russian soldiers that have been trying to kill them and then you see Ukrainians come and giving them food and water to drink. It's mind-boggling. It is. It is. I mean, there's always that always works that way. You always see the good because the good shines so much brighter than the bad does. There's so much of the bad out there, guys. It's easy to get wrapped up in it. It's easy to get lost in it. It's easy to get to the place where you say, I, I give up. I give up. We can't give up. Can't give up. Jesus is going to go to the cross so you have an option not to give up. And that's why Tim's right. We need a family. We need people to, to connect it to us and a, and a people surrounding us. So, you know, most of us, most of us, in one state or another, we're one crisis away from falling apart. Would you say that's true? Maybe not so much. Some of us that are older, we've been through a lot of crises, but some of the younger ones, people, babies and crying, they're just one crisis away from falling apart. What do they need to, what do they need to not fall apart? What do they need? What do you think they need? Huh? When we experience a fair number of crises, the body. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's great to to know that God's there, but to be able to touch somebody and to be able to have them share in your pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Falling apart. You know, what Paul said is, is it's great to have the body, to have something you can hold on to and know that when I walk into this place on Sunday morning, you know what I know? You know, this, this, is, this is the most important day of the week for me because I know that I'm going to be with you guys. Wednesday's great, but this, this is where everyone comes together. And I know that you are no different than I am. That you are struggling just like I am. That you understand. You, I may not even talk to you about it. But you'll know that if in, on any given day, I could be struggling with the same things you are. You know, I mean, it, it's. I got a phone call a while ago and something. somebody that I've been working with and, and working with, and they called and said something happened to their car. I said, just about the time they go two steps forward, they go five steps back. It seemed like every time you turn around, some Satan's trying to do something in their life to bring chaos and, and disharmony in their life. You know, it just, yeah, that's it. All of us have a testimony we can give to the younger Absolutely. faith in Christ. And, and tell them how long we've been here. Yeah. And where you say, hey, yeah. here's somebody who's been here for. Yeah. And, and give them some kind of hope, say, hey, this is where I want to be. We have to remember that Satan is, is if he couldn't make Jesus fall, then he's going to work really hard trying to make you fall. And you got to be on your game. You know, you've got to you've got to take advantage of those opportunities that God gives you, that God lays in front of you. And for one of them, it's the church. It's the body. You know, it's it's individual Christians. It's the word. To stay in the word. To stay stay connected to the word. Stay, you know, it says faith comes by hearing. What is faith? It's my growing 
closer to God, my understanding of Him, and being willing to be able to do that. And he says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing where? By the Word of God. It says that all Scripture is inspired. It's, it's, it's been God-breathed, and it's profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. It's profitable for that. So I've got I to gotta, I gotta know what the book said. Stay in the Word. We've talked about this before. In John chapter 12, when I said the Word will judge the last day, you need to be in a book. You need to be in a book. That's going to help. You know, maybe a kindness that you do to someone. You don't know why, you just do it. You do it because maybe they've been praying really hard, and they've been praying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then you have this, this moment, and you say, you know, I really, you know, I think I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to send Nancy a card. I know she's been struggling, or, or Dorothy, or whoever, whatever. And you, and you say, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to try to explain it. Maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to lead you in a way. Maybe he's trying to tell you something, you know, that mindset going, say, hey, maybe you need to do this. To help them to get through whatever it is. You don't even have to know what it is. Satan's alive and well. We've got to be stronger than he is. Alright? Everybody got it? We're going to start chapter 15. It's talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches. Okay? I'm, telling, I'm going to tell you what I think it's not talking about. Alright? We'll see you next week.